Welcome to this Avant Roundtable discussion where the focus is on asking the right questions to find the right answers. Until the questions are asked, there's no room in our minds for the answers. So if you have questions about the current state of agriculture, the future of agriculture, or maybe a question about the business of agriculture, Avant is the place to ask those questions. If it's an agriculture question, there is nothing off the table. If we don't know the answer, in our group, we will find someone who can get the answer, and then we'll even go a step further and ask that person to come into this organization, sit at a round table, and deep dive into the topic and into the answers. So today, my friend, we are going to introduce you to an amazing leader from the nutrition side of agriculture, a man by the name of August York. Now, you may be asking, who is August York? Trust me, I was asking that question just not very many months ago, and I have been absolutely blown away by this guy. When I first heard his name, I had no idea who he was, but he became highly respected, and I can tell you this, every time I hear him speak, I'm humbled by how little I know about crop nutrition. However, not only is this guy an amazing nutritionist, he's an all-the-way-around great guy. So needless to say, it is an immense pleasure for me to introduce you to August York today. But before we ask August to come up to the microphone, also on our call today, we have our founder and our CEO, Mr. Ben Amarine. Now, August and Ben have been working together for a, a few months here. In fact, uh, you know, quite a bit longer than I've known August. So I'm going to ask Ben if he would step into the microphone and just share with us a few words about his relationship with August before we ask August to the mic. Go ahead, Mr. Ben Amarine. So uh, through a mutual friend of ours, um, we started doing some work together on my own operation and uh, some clients I was working with and really started to get, dive a little bit deeper into nutrition. And more and more we did it, I realized our, you know, our passion and, and our views of uh, nutrition and biology really align. And uh, we've been growing ever since. So when we started Avant, thought he was a good fit for the, for the role and uh, brought him to Kylan and, and the rest of the team. And and I guess the rest is kind of history and here we are today, but, uh, um, all in all, he's quite the guy, uh, we tease each other a lot, have a lot of laughs and, um, real excited to see how this all goes. You and me both buddy. Like I think we're both little learning from, uh, from August. Every time we talk to him, we're both learning something. So August, my friend, thank you for coming to this call today. Well, thank you, Kylan, for having me and those uh, words of encouragement. I'll see if I can live up to it, you know. <laughs> You're going to do an amazing job, my friend. You really, really do. You know, the thing about today's call, though, is getting to know who you are. That's really our primary purpose in the call today. And we're going to talk a little bit about your lane of, of, of nutrition, but we're going to have another interview where we're deep diving into your lane and into your topic and really giving us a chance to, to have you express the things that you know about nutrition. But in this call today, we really want to get to know you. We want to get to know this guy by the name of August York. So if you wouldn't mind just sharing with us a little bit about your, your past, maybe your childhood, the process that you went through to become the nutritionist that you are today, just share with us a little bit about your journey. Yeah, happy to, Kylan. Um, I grew up in Northern California, 
I currently live pretty close to where I grew up. Uh, it's about an hour, hour and a half north of San Francisco. So the area in which I live right now is uh, all wine country and old dairies. Uh, it's quite a beautiful place. And um, my dad was a farmer, started out as a vegetable farmer up in Michigan and then over in Missouri, and then ended up moving out here and starting uh, an organic dwarf apple tree um, operation and Asian pears and raspberries and farmed that for 10 years uh, until the Chinese came into the apple market and he couldn't really make a living at it anymore. Uh, and then he moved over into becoming a consultant in the organic wine business. Um, and that was back in the 90s when a lot of the wine business was still family owned and smaller operations and uh, was a lot of fun, I think, for him. And he really got his feet underneath him and ended up traveling the world doing that. Uh, and I think, you know, probably what your viewers will connect most with me about is, you know, I was, I grew up on a farm. I grew up around my dad farming and then being a consultant. Um, and I really admired my father. He was a really hardworking person and also just very articulate. He really, in my mind, epitomized the ability to, to thread the needle between theory and practice. He understood what it was like doing it, um, but he also understood the deeper principles at work in biological agriculture. Uh, and so I was always very attracted to my dad. He was very articulate and, and what he was saying was always very interested. And at the same time, I was just a, a kid and then a teenager who was sure he was going to have nothing to do with farming. I just thought that is just so simplistic. I'm not going to do that dumb shit. And, you know, I just, I knew it all. Right. And so I went off to college, uh, and studied in Arizona. I studied design, mostly like urban design. Um, and about, uh, three years into that, I just realized, you know, it's going to be 10 years of me being in front of a computer on CAD before I even get to decide where the, the faucet goes. And I was just like, this is not for me. Like, and I think, you know, when I speak with growers and I speak with, with uh, family and, and, and children that are coming back into farming operations, like I hear that story a lot, you know, we grew up on the farm and we just had no interest in it at the time. And then you get out into the wider world and you go, you know, <laughs> working for my family, working for myself, working outside, working on something that is a legacy for my family. Like that all means actually a lot more than I thought it did. And, uh, and it turns out agriculture is immensely complex and you're never done learning. And so it's just, um, it's a joy to be working in agriculture. Uh, my father, I started farming uh, back in 2014 or 2013. I went to work on one of the projects he was consulting for down in Southern California. So that was a mid-scale um, avocado and citrus operation. And um, I was running, you know, I started out just uh, as a farm hand and then I worked my way up and basically started running their fertility program there. We did large scale composting on operation. We did worm, worm composting, um, compost tea. And right about that time, my dad got sick or was diagnosed with cancer um, and ended up passing away a year into the, me being at that project. And uh, it was really at that point, I just realized I really I wanted to live closer to home. I wanted to spend more time with both my mom and my stepmom that lived back up where I'd grown up. 
and I went to work for a compost tea company um, that I had been running their equipment on the farm for the last two years. And so they gave me the opportunity to come on board. I wasn't sure of it at first. They, uh, uh, the joke is that, you know, they, they wanted me to be in sales and I was like, I, that sounds awful. I don't like anything about that sound like sales. That sounds slimy and slippery and like, ugh. and then, um, it's a small company and I just, you know, have a thirst for knowledge and I love to explain things. I think I get that from my dad, this ability to like articulate complex, you know, topics into a simple way. And I just naturally found myself in front of the farmers explaining what their technology was, why it's important, what it does, how it works, like how to run it. And um, I realized that even though I still don't like that term sales, uh, what that meant was I got to be on the farm with the grower solving problems. And that was the best part of the job. And uh, from there, I connected with the wider, you know, agriculture. I really had been mostly involved in organic agriculture up till that point. And then I just had the good fortune of meeting mentors along the way who brought me out into large scale commodity agriculture, really taught me the ropes on, the, on nutrition and how to implement biological principles and practices into those operations. So, you know, I went out and started working for myself about four years ago and uh, now I'm joining Avant and uh, yeah, it's been a roller coaster of a ride. It's been great. Well, we are, uh, we are blessed to have you as part of this, this, this organization, August. And I know some of the mentors that you have learned from, they had to have been unbelievable for, for you to be able to pick up what they've, what they've taught you and to be able to run with it as young as you are and as knowledgeable as you are, we're, we're very, very blessed to have you be a part of this team. Um, a couple of things that I, I, I just wrote down here and I, I thought it was awesome. Number one, your dad bringing you into this industry <laughs> and to be able to start really showing you the ropes. How cool is that, right? I mean, to be able to have that be part of your legacy, right? Well, when you were in that stage, just really getting to learn, working side by side with your dad, you know, you, you mentioned that he started to teach you some of the principles of agronomy at that point in time. What are some of the core things that you would say, you know, this is my dad, this is my dad, this is what I embrace from what I learned from him. He is part of who I am today. What are some of those core principles you learned from him? I think I really learned from my dad just growing up with him that like, you know, farming isn't easy. What we do is this is not an easy profession. This is not for the faint of heart. It's not, um, it's hard. And I think uh, he knew that better than anybody having lost the farm that he loved. Like I watched, you know, growing up, I watched him lose the farm. And I think that really made an impression on me the older I've gotten just, uh, how much, you know, I've farmed, but how much I empathize with the grower, with the challenge of what farming is. Um, and at the same time, my dad really instilled like an inspiring vision of what farming can be. And he really instilled, uh, you know, these, the, the concept of, you know, biology is at the base of good farming and biological farming is the future. It's, I think in his mind was the only future that is acceptable, you know, that, that holds a promise of a better life for both the farmer and the consumer. 
at the end of it. And uh, so he really instilled those, that ethos in me. And he really backed it up with the way he went about it. You know, his, his understanding that it wasn't easy and it's not straightforward, but we can do better than we're doing. Continuous improvement. That's right. Yeah. 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 Now that's awesome, buddy. Well, you know, you, you led right into my next question. When we start thinking about this idea that agriculture is not easy, you, it is hard. It's not for the faint hearted. It's not for somebody that can just step in and say, oh man, this is a piece of cake. No problems. I got this. It is a challenge. And when you are looking around the industry today and you're looking at your, the, the challenges that your customers are facing, uh, the customers, or maybe even potential customers, people you're not working with today, but you'd like to work with because you see the challenges that are taking place in their life. If you could look at the industry and share with us your opinion, what are the three biggest challenges facing agriculture today? The biggest challenge I run into and I see is just a, is grower's mindset. Mm. A grower mindset. Um, and what I mean by that is I think it's because agriculture is so challenging and there's just, there's so much to manage and so much risk and so little reward in that risk. Well, you know, in, in that, in that grower mindset, risk to reward, what, what is it that keeps them in, in the agriculture space then? I mean, if it's that challenging and that, that mindset risk to reward is so limited, what's really keeping them there? Well, I think it's, uh, the love of what they do, yeah. right? I mean, it's a lifestyle and passion, right? It's a lifestyle it has to be. Yeah. I mean, otherwise it's a miserable experience. A lot of times, I mean, yeah. there's just, there's a lot of risk. I think what I was getting at with the grower mindset, now that I'm getting my train back on the tracks, is getting them to think past how it can't work. Oh, gotcha. And, and so seeing the grower, like so much of the, because what I'm, what I'm trying to bring to these growers is a different way of doing things. And so much of the time, what you get from them is why it can't work here. Oh, well, that can't work. That's not going to work in this crop or that's not going to work in this location. Or I can't do that because, uh, you know, I don't have X equipment and all of those things are valid. I, I believe all those things are valid They're, They all make sense in that moment. And what I struggle with, or what I find is like the growers that I connect and work the best with are the ones that are willing to work with me on it. It's like, okay, if we can't do that, what about this? Or if we can't do, you know, how can we, uh, take the same idea, but apply it in a different way. And so getting a grower to think past the way they've always done it um, and to be a thought partner with you, you know, that, that's, that's really my second challenge, I think, is getting growers to be thought partners with you in the process of, of changing, operate, you know, changing the operations on the farm. So much of agriculture these days, in my experience, and, and it's, uh, you know, so much of it is about uh, silver bullets. And in my mind, um, I, I get it. Like I sell fertilizers for a living. I love a silver bullet just as much as the next guy. I mean, something, one product that works for the grower and works for me, like that's great. That makes everybody's life simpler. It, it's, you know, it, it moves the needle forward. The trouble is, is we get stuck on this idea that one thing is going to fix it. And 
Um, agriculture has been very good at that for the last 50 years. Try this new chemistry, it will kill that bug. Try this new herbicide, it will take care of that weed. Try this new fertilizer, it will green your plant up. But if we look at the long-term trajectory of those things, it's not heading in the right direction. We become more reliant on chemistry, more reliant on fertilizer, uh, more reliant on outside opinion as to what we need to do to fix the problem. Um, and meanwhile, we have no control over the price. And so inputs go up, costs go up, uh, and the price, you know, our, our price on what we're producing goes down. And the people that are recommending those things are just the same as the same idea every time. So. So, so just a couple of things that I took out of that and well, you're, 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 you're raising some big red flags in the industry here, man. I mean, let's think about it. It's, it's uh, which I love, by the way, this is just awesome. Um, growth mindset. And then you, you led right into being a thought partner with you and how important that really is. You know, those two things are really choices that producers make today. If they make a choice to partner with someone like yourself to be a thought leader, then they're going to be able to think into their outcomes a little bit different, the cause effect equation, right? And that's going to impact their mindset. It really is going to impact the mindset. So being a thought partner with someone is, is really crucial. One of the things that you mentioned there is on the, on the input side, and I'd love to have you just expand on this a little bit. You said, as we use products to make things greener, to, to brighten things up or kill a bug or this or that, the other, you mentioned becoming reliant upon that input, reliant upon more things. Is that what's happening in the marketplace today is we're relying on input products. And when we fix one thing, it causes a need for another. And it's just creating more and more reliant on products versus just our management practice in general. Is that what's happening? Yeah. I mean, I think overall over the, you know, 20, 30, 50 years of kind of modern agronomy and modern fertilizers, like that's definitely what's happened. And it's not anybody, any one person's fault. It's, you know, we've all inherited the system. And like I said, I'm as guilty as the next guy when something looks greener because we put on this product, like, great, let's use it again, right? Um, and I think it's about shifting this mindset from we buy fertilizers to fertilize our farm to how do we create fertility within the farm and we use fertilizers to supplement that. And so you know, getting this flywheel of fertility generating, self-generating on the farm, um, you know, that's the direction I truly believe that agriculture needs to go. Uh, and there's no, there's no easy substitute for that. There's no easy one silver bullet that's going to get you there. Um, my dad used to say, you know, if I ask you for a dollar, I have a 50-50 chance of getting that dollar, right? It's a yes or no. But if I ask five people for 20 cents, I'm five times more likely to get closer to that dollar. And so just this idea in agriculture, instead of finding that one silver bullet that fixes our problem, how do we work on multiple different aspects of the core principle through different practices and products to get us closer to that end result that we're looking for? And 
The challenge that I find working with growers is that just so often um, getting them again to be that thought partner with you because I don't know your farm as well as you do. I don't know your challenges as well as you do. I may not know all the fertilizers or the herbicides as well as you do on your operation. They're different across the country. Um, and so I'm, you know, getting the grower to not see me just as a strict agronomist and I'm going to recommend pounds per acre of this nutrient, but I'm going to help them think through what form those nutrients are in, when those nutrients should be applied, how the plant physiology lines up with those nutrients, uh, and getting them to start thinking about how to make those changes along the way too. That's when we can really work well together. Um, a lot of times if a grower is just looking to me for a straight recommendation, like I can do that, but it's not, uh, it's not going to build towards something better in the future. It's a short-term, short-term versus long-term mindset, I think is what uh, it comes down to. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the, one of the things that I've talked a lot about with producers in the last several years, and I think you can feed into this a little bit is nutrient utilization versus nutrient application. And the industry as a whole, when you think about technology and grid sampling and variable rate fertilizer and the whole industry by default, and like you said, it's no one person's fault. There's, this is stuff we've inherited in our generation today. So we have by default become a, an industry very focused on application of products versus utilization of products at that natural biological, you know, physiology, physi physiology level. We've just, we've just really become disconnected from that space. How important do you think it is, or, or talk a little bit into why it's going to be so important for us to begin to shift our mindset away from application more into utilization as we move into the next, next generation of farming? I mean, you're just, you hit the nail on the head, Kyle. And I mean, that, that's something that has shocked me as I've moved into the role that I work in now is just the disconnect that we see from what we see in the soil to what actually is getting in the plant and how that results. And, you know, uh, without getting too heavily into the agronomy side of things, I mean, at this point, there's certain things I look for in soil samples, but a lot of it is kind of useless because it doesn't, it will tell me the fundamentals, but it won't tell me what actually is getting into the plant. Um, and, you know, we just, as a, as a class of agronomy, we just see the soil system as this bank account. You know, we pull out 200 pounds of MPK for X amount of bushels or whatever. So we got to put that 200 pounds back in there. And that's just, unfortunately, it's, it's easy to understand why we think that way. And unfortunately, uh, it doesn't work that way. And there's a lot of adverse side effects in doing that. There's wasted money, wasted time. In some cases, there's major setbacks to the biological communities in the soil system themselves through certain fertilizers that we're using. So we're actually increasing the problem rather than uh, making it better. So, you know, nutrient cycling, nutrient availability, those are the core questions, not pounds per acre. 
that's the last question we should be answering after we address how is nutrient cycling, how, you know, how are we retaining those nutrients in available form and how much of that is getting into the plant? Wow. That, that, that's awesome. So as you were talking right there and giving some clarity to that, I came up with a little example and just kind of a, a picture, if you will. Uh, and I'm hoping you can feed into this. So bear with me. Okay. You were talking about, you know, parts per million. We look at quantity so much of the time based on what we see in a soil sample and going back to some of the things that I've learned in the world of water and, and other things of that nature. When we're looking at the soil, the soil is the environment. It's like the house where people would live, but the, the, the soil environment is just that an environment, but the plants have to utilize what's within that environment, right? It's kind of like if we were to look at any given house, what we're looking at is evaluating the house instead of the people in the house mm -hmm. is really what we're doing. But if we want health to be, you know, the healthy components of a house are the people, mm -hmm. right? That's really what it is. So if we have to look a little bit deeper, like you said, to the cycling programs, the other aspects of what is what is actually available to use in that house, not just the evaluation of the house itself. Am I even anywhere close to being on target? No, you're you're right on target. I mean, uh, you know, going back to that period in my life when I wasn't in farming, but I was studying design, I had this teacher that once said something that I thought was pretty profound. And I think it, it really relates to agriculture, it relates to a lot of things, which is it's not about the objects. It's about the connection between the two objects that matter. And so when we're looking at plants, when we're looking at soils, it's not about the nutrients that sit in the soil. It's about whether there is the exchange of those nutrients going to the plant. And that exchange is, uh, is almost entirely dependent on microbial activity. Without microbial activity, you don't have communication between soils to plants. You're really, without healthy microbial activity, it's really, you're just using soil as a medium to, to stand up plants in. It's just a prop, it becomes dirt, you know? Um, I think it's Gabe Brown that had the book From Dirt to Soil. And I think he named it that because modern agronomy sees soil as dirt. It's just this medium to stick a plant into it and put water and put nutrients there and the plant grows. Whereas soil is like you're talking about, it's this house that accompanies the family within it, right? It's not, we don't think about our childhood homes or think about like the house we grew up in uh, because the house is so cool, maybe it is, but we think about it because of the people, the relationships we had in it, the connections we built in it, the memories we have. and so. That's similar to the soil system. These are all about the connections between the plant, the microorganism and the nutrient, which is the soil. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's really good. I, you know, as you were talking about that, I'm thinking about our natural environment, the world around us. When you look at some of the, the healthiest soils producing the healthiest outcome, I mean, we can look at some of our forests, right? We can look at a natural pasture environment they don't get fertilizers. They don't get these other things, but they're producing life and they're sustaining life. Our natural system is created to be successful in and of itself, right? Yeah. So when we, when we start really thinking about 
um, those aspects, that's what really motivates me and, uh, you know, makes me appreciate people like you being a part of the Avant team, because I, I get excited about what we're going to be able to share with not just farmers, but consumers all over the world and having the opportunity <clears throat> to really to really dive in and to be able to educate to a different outcome, an outcome that, you know, our history has proven to be successful. And I think the outcome of Avant is going to be successful because of people like you that are going to be educating others in our Advant advisory network. So with that being said, that's what excites me about you coming to Avant. What excites you about coming to Avant and being a part of this team and collaborating with our advisors and other industry leaders? What is it that's really motivated you to say, I want to be a part of this? Yeah, I mean, it started with meeting Ben Amarin um, and, you know, visiting with him on his farm and finding that we're both very aligned on the, you know, the perspective of soil biology being a real core function of nutrient cycling. Uh, but it also really hinged on seeing Ben Amarin, what he was able to do with plant physiology and water systems and seeing somebody that was bringing it together on their operation and then hearing his vision for Avant, you know, and what we're building into, you know, this idea that, um, you know, agriculture, it's just so complex, right? There's so many different facets of it. And so to bring together a core group of people that are, you know, have deep knowledge in their lanes and water, plant physiology, cover crops, nutrition and, and, and soil health, bringing together those different threads, that got me really excited. I can't, you know, tell you how many different times I might've done my job really well, but we messed up on water or we messed up on something else. And, and it's very hard to tease that apart. <clears throat> apart. You know, you, you wonder, was it my mistake that we made? Did we not do the right fertilizer program? Was it overwatering? Um, and, and I don't have that experience with every crop to advise on all those different levels. And so having a core group of people that have deep expertise in each one of those lanes, it was an immediate yes for me. I mean, it was just so obvious to me, like, yes, everything works better when we're working on all these different levels at the same time. There's no question about it. Yeah, no, that, that's awesome. Well, I got to share a real quick story. Uh, about you. You probably didn't even realize this. Um, I know Ben didn't realize it when, when him and I first met, but I, I let him know. I said, Ben, when I first met you, it took me a long time to figure out who you were. You know, can I trust this, this guy? Can I trust the information? Can I really trust the results that, he, that he's saying he's getting? And it took me about 30 days to really ask the questions and really get to know him. Well, I got to say, it was probably the same with you as I begin to really listen to you talk about nutrition and have you talk about, you know, phosphorus and some of the things that you've talked about before. I'm sitting here going, I have never heard that before. How is it that I'm almost 50 years old? I've never heard this before. I've been in the ag industry my whole entire life and I've never heard these things. So it took me some time to research out what you were saying, is this trustworthy? Should I be listening to this guy? 
And it proved to be true. It really did. It took, it took me a few weeks to just really research and study what you were saying. And you're right. We are looking at things from an industry perspective designed to sell products, which is one of the reasons that Avant is not a product company at all in any way, shape or form. We want to have that freedom to advise the farmers to what is best for them in all aspects and, and let the farmer be educated to make the right decision that is really going to make the, the impact for them. To be able to do that, we see it as collaboration. Collaboration is going to be a huge part of, of our future moving forward. I know it's been a huge part of Ben's operation and Ben's success is collaborating with who he calls his team. And I know you see that also. I know you bring some tremendous products to the industry, but you also see this need for intense collaboration. Can you speak a little bit into how you see collaboration being such an important and vital role in agriculture, even in the next five years? How important will that collaboration be in the next five years? I mean, you just, you can't separate, you can't separate out the different you know, aspects of agriculture. It's, um, you know, you can't pull, you can't do things right nutritionally, but irrigate wrong and expect good results. And it's, uh, you know, my dad, again, had another great analogy for, for what, what conventional agronomists do. You know, we silo these things one from the other. We teach them differently in school. That's, oh, you're doing, you do crop nutrition, you guys are the water specialists over here. You do this. And, uh, you know, the metaphor my dad used for it was that take a rug, right? It's a tapestry. It's a pattern. It's made of fiber and cotton and thread. And if you start pulling on those threads and you keep pulling, all of a sudden you still have the same colors. You still have the fabric. You still have the cotton, but you don't have the tapestry anymore, right? And it's the same thing we've been doing to soil. We continue to do these practices that over time are just pulling on the threads of that soil. And at the end of it, the result is we have dirt. We have something that's just kind of this inert medium that's disconnected from its environment, disconnected from the plant and uh, no longer resembles. It has all the physical characteristics of what it used to have or some of them but it no longer resembles the beautiful tapestry of what life, you know, created it to be. And I, I think that siloing in our industry obviously has really hurt us. And I think that the collaboration between different silos is the way to move forward. Right. We've, we've kind of hit a wall with genetics. We've hit a wall with just typical agronomy from a producer standpoint. And how do we get out of that? Mm. How do we get out of this place where, okay, this is the same amount of bushels we're going to do every year, plus or minus 10, 20%, depending on the weather. And the weather's not getting easier and the crops aren't getting more, you know, we're not selling them for more. Maybe right now we are, but like relative to the cost of our inputs, no relative to the cost of our tractors. No. So, you know, it's no wonder that it's such a struggle to get the next generation to come back to farming. It's just, it's not a, it's not a realistic, it's not a sustainable or regenerative model for, for anybody involved in the business. So. Yeah. 
Yeah, that that that's really crucial. And you know what you're what you're talking about is a piece that that I feel has been disconnected for a long time. Even myself, you know, having ten years in the water industry teaching about water and water management and soil sensors and all these these things when i first met ben and ben started telling me about things from a water perspective and a plant physiology perspective i began to realize that wow so much of my education was tied to a product it was tied to a product that i was i was created to sell if you will learning from Ben as a, in terms of plant physiology, learning from you in terms of nutrition and, and learning from, you know, Ben Miller and part of, part of what he's done with cover cropping and different things, learning from all of you guys over the last year has been fundamentally challenging for me because I'm not an agronomist. I don't understand those things. I, you know, I'm a business guy. I teach leadership for crying out loud, but to hear from what you guys do, and how we bring all that together, that, that to me is just unbelievable. And an Avant advisor is going to be able to be educated by you, Ben Miller, Ben Amarine, to bring all these systems together, not, re not related to a product. And I, I, I've said it before, I'm, I'm not gonna apologize for saying it again. That's so important to what Avant is because we need that education and knowing how to separate things apart and, and being able to then put them back together in system. And that I, I learned it from the water side for the purpose of selling a product. And that's what I think we have to get away from. Yeah. So, so, well, my friend, this is absolutely been amazing. And as we start getting to the point where goodness gracious, we're going out running out of time already, as we're starting to get to the point where we want to wind this down, you have shared with us some golden nuggets about your, your take on the industry, your take on uh, so many other things in agriculture and nutrition, but I know you've got another golden nugget within you. I know you've got something there that will make us better. That's going to help us be you know, better producers, better advisors. It's just going to make us better in life. What is the golden nugget that you want to deliver to all of our listeners that's going to make us better? I kind of feel like I already said it, Kylan, but um, I think it's really, you know, it's for me, the way I try to frame things in my life and the way I work with my growers is it's really about progress over perfection because mm. we get, I see some growers get so hung up on, well, I can't do that. So I'm not going to do anything at all. And and I just, I think that that mindset, you're going to stay put forever, right? You're never going to take the next step. And so there's no way to get from, you know, here to across the freeway without taking a first step, right? It's not going to magically happen. And so progress over perfection. Let's not let, you know, perfect be the enemy of the good. And uh, um, I think we can, you know, what's the saying? Uh, um, we humans overestimate what they can do in the short term, but underestimate what they can do in the long term. And so when we're thinking three, five years out, you know, instead of just one season, what do we see as results? And not that we shouldn't expect results in one season. That's not what I'm saying, but just 
what are the things that we're doing to build towards five years from now? What are we doing to build towards 20 years from now if we're, our kids are going to take over the operations and we want our grandkids to have the opportunity to take over the operations? What are those things that we need to be building towards? What are the metrics we need to be measuring to uh, create that sustainable path for our family and our legacy uh, in a world that is just highly volatile, right? Prices are volatile, fertilizers are volatile, weather is becoming more volatile. So we have to build internal resilience. And to do that, I think you have to take a step. Sometimes you fail, sometimes you, that step comes back, you know, but you take another step and you keep, I like to think of it as keep placing these asymmetric bets, right? Don't bet the whole farm on an idea that I have or a product that I'm selling or something, but try it on, try it on a part of the field, try it on a part of the farm. And if it works, it's groundbreaking, right? It does fundamentally change the direction of your operation. If it doesn't work, that's okay. Keep trying something new because eventually you will find that thing that makes a difference. And, um, you know, that's obviously what I'm passionate about. Like when I've seen it work, it's amazing. Right. And in between are all the times that we tried something and failed, but every time you succeed, the reward is way is worth way more than the, than, than the loss to, to the failure of that small trial or that small idea that you tried and it didn't change things. Yeah. So. That, that, that's, that's awesome. And so your golden nugget, progress over perfection, progress um, over perfection. I love that. I'm going to steal it. I'm going to give you credit, but probably not the royalties for it. Okay. I don't think, I don't think I came up with that. No, that's, I, I do have a quick question though, and I, I know this is your golden nugget, but I have a quick question based on a comment that a banker told me one time. A, a banker told me once, he said, in many, many cases in an operation, a break-even is a win. So I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you a question about that very topic as it per, pertains to progress over perfection. Even if we don't have what we would constitute a quote unquote big win, is a break even with a learn better than having never learned? Definitely. Okay. Definitely. I mean, it's just um, in some ways, right? It's a process of elimination because it's like, well, we tried that, that didn't work. So you know, you don't need to try that again. So there's that aspect of learning. Um, there's also, uh, yeah, I mean, I just, in my own life, like I, you know, you build on knowledge and it might be that it didn't work then, but it might be you're missing some key part of that system. So, you know, really easy example in agriculture is like, well, we all know calcium is really important, right? But the, the general recommendation is just to put down gypsum or lime. And I'm not saying those are bad things to do, but that's kind of like standard agronomy, put down gypsum line, depending on your pH. And like what I see most of the time, particularly on the West coast where we have higher pH soils, but like you just see in tissue samples that calcium is just dramatically deficient in every crop. I mean, I I've never pulled a tissue sample where calcium isn't dramatically deficient and these are sap samples. So they're a little bit more nuanced and not exactly your typical um, tissue. But my point is, is, okay, maybe the grower knew that calcium is important. 
maybe they're putting down calcium. Those are all the right things, but they're not seeing the result, right? So they think, oh, that's not important. Well, it's not that it's not important. It's just not getting down in the right form. Maybe you haven't found the right type of calcium that really works. And those are the kind of like, how do we try it? Did it fit? Didn't fit? Well, do I think the principle is right? Let me try a different version of that, you know, practice or product and see if that fits and that works. And so that tinkering, right? And that process of elimination. Well, gypsum isn't really, we've been doing it for 20 years and we still have sodium issues. We still have a lack of calcium in our tissue samples. Like it's not the wrong principle. Maybe it's the wrong product. Mm -hmm. Wow. That is powerful, my friend. So, so, so powerful. So that was more than one golden nugget. That was several. <laughs> well, so, you, get me, you get me going, Kylan. Yeah, yeah. Well, August, my friend, thank you so much for being a part of this with us. This has been uh, nothing short of an amazing privilege. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. All right, my friends. So that's what we have for you today. Very much appreciate August York and his willingness to invest this hour of time with us, to come and share some of his thoughts, some of his opinions, some of his take on the industry as a whole. And if you would like to learn more about August York, you can find him on LinkedIn. I know he's fairly active on LinkedIn. I follow him there and uh, connect with him there on things that, that, that he's doing and things that he's following. So I highly recommend that you go to LinkedIn and get connected with August there. You can also reach out to info at avantagtech.com and get more information about August, the work that he's doing within the team, more information about becoming an advisor and, and learning from August and the rest of the team. So connect with us again at info at avantagtech.com and we'll get you headed down the path of becoming an advisor with the organization. Also, you can find us on, like we said, LinkedIn, we're on Facebook, on Twitter, get connected with Avant, and we're going to help you move forward. Like August said, progress forward with an improvement, maybe nothing more than a learn, don't always shoot for the perfection progress forward, learn, and grow. So my friends, thank you very much for being a part of this. Thank you for investing the time to listen to this. And we look forward to connecting with you in the future. Make it a very amazing week. And we are at the time of this recording right before Thanksgiving. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Merry Christmas. And God bless each and every one of you as we look forward to the 2022 season. See you next time.